Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. For this podcast, it's a pleasure to have Commissioner Greg Leach with me. Commissioner Greg Leach joined the Queensland Foreign Emergency Services in December 2019. With 33 years experience in the emergency services, Greg Leach is a highly regarded emergency services executive with both country and metropolitan fire and ambulance services. He began his career with the Country Fire Authority where he held a number of senior operational roles. Greg spent eight years with Rural Ambulance Victoria and then Ambulance Victoria following the merger of the state's three ambulance services into a single service in 2008. In 2014, Greg joined the Metropolitan Fire Emergency Services Board as a Deputy Chief Officer and Executive Director, Organisational Learning and Development. He has led the implementation of significant reform to the fire services in Victoria. He was appointed to the role of Commissioner of the Queensland Foreign Emergency Services in 2019, where he will lead the department into the next decade. As Commissioner, he is Chair of the QFES Board of Management and a Director on the Board of the Public Safety Business Agency, otherwise known as PSBA, the service agency for the public safety portfolio. As an experienced Level 3 Incident Controller, Greg has managed responses to some of our nation's worst fires, including responses to larger wildfires, major structure fires and other emergencies. Greg has an MBA and a Master's in Emergency Management and is also a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and a member of the Institute of Fire Engineers. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today, Greg. I appreciate that you've agreed to have this discussion. And as I said to you, I think it's a great opportunity for people both within QFES and the broader sector to get to know you a little bit better. So welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be with you today. What I'd like to do is frame this discussion. What we normally do with this series of podcasts is pick a leadership topic. And now with a range of guests that I've had, we've explored those topics. But today I'd like to go a different angle. I like to explore your own leadership journey from the very beginning, from your, uh, and it's not necessarily even our sector or our or emergency services, it could be your life mm. generally. And by way of exploring that journey for you to understand you a bit better, understand what you believe in now as a leader, what your views are on how we can help leaders become better leaders and all those things in between. So with that in mind, can I ask you to maybe go right back and talk a little bit about those early influences for you in terms of leadership. Sure, thanks for the opportunity. I guess if I took you right back, I grew up on a sheep and wheat property in central Victoria, a very small rural community. And growing up in my formative years through as a teenager, watching how local people perform leadership roles uh, within the local community, such as my dad, for example. So small community where everyone was a member of everything. So my dad was a, an officer in the local fire brigade, had a term as captain. Dad was on the hall committee, the school committee. I was president of the tennis club. Dad was on the committee of the football football team. 
church committees, cemetery, local charity carnival that we ran. So everyone was on which on, is on very everything. which is very common in small communities. Exactly. So that was just normal for me uh, that uh, you played a leadership role in in uh, in your local community. I guess I took that into my career. I did a uh, an apprenticeship originally, and then I I joined the the fire service um, initially as a motor mechanic. I worked for the country fire authority for a couple of years fixing fire trucks after doing a, an apprenticeship with a Holden dealership, and then I got into the operational side of the business. And and I guess. Uh, in those early times of your career, at the entry levels of an organisation, you get to work under many, many different people. And, uh, and, and being an observer of human nature, you, you watch what people do and how they lead and how they manage people. And probably like yourself, you, you watch elements of what people do and you say, hmm, that's a, that's a good thing to do, that has a positive impact, I'll, you know, I'll take that on board it's as part of my It's a very interesting thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't help myself. Yeah, um, and 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 it's interesting you you raise it because it's not even like you're looking or listening to criticise. It's like you're looking to understand. Mm, exactly, and, and in fact, some of the most important lessons I've learned are from managers that I've worked for or leaders that I've worked for, and watching some of the things uh, that haven't worked so well in their style, and taking them on board myself. And so it is. It's an interesting journey of adapting and watching others as you come up through the ranks and building that into who you are as a person and who you are as a leader and a manager. By way of example, and I believe that the best lessons that one can learn in terms of leadership are positive lessons, mm. but you, you've alluded to that uh, by, by the, the nature of the roles we're in and our experiences, you're gonna see things that aren't done so well. And I've got a, an example which stays in my mind to this day where there was a mistake made operationally at a house fire and we all watched as the substation officer gave one of the crew a dressing down in front of everyone. And I could, I could sense it, I was a junior fiery and I didn't know what to make of it. And it stayed with me to this date. And it's probably informed my approach that if I need to do something like that, I do it in private. So I'm sure that you've had mm -hmm. similar, similar things yes. and you've probably got a range of things that you've, that you've seen. For some reason, people think that, you know, that we have contemporary leadership now and everything that was done back in the days, and I disagree with that. I got to see some great leaders. Mm. And this, it was a much simpler time. Mm. It didn't, we didn't have the complexities of technology and a society now which everything that everyone does can be beamed into social yes. media within seconds. It's complicated now, but we still saw some really good fundamental examples of leadership back then. Do any come to mm. mind for you? Yeah, look, and some of those people have long-term impacts on organisations. There was a person who was involved with Country Fire Authority long before uh, I joined, this is back in the 1960s. CFA was formed out of the 1939 bushfires in Victoria, but because of the Second World War, the legislation didn't pass Parliament until 1944, and that's when CFA was formed. And many of the volunteers in CFA through the 1950s, of course, were returned servicemen and women. So the organisation took on this naturally sort of command and control type approach to the way it did its business. But it wasn't until the 1960s a, a guy by the name of Brigadier Dick Eason took over as the chair of Country Fire Authority and really ingrained the operating structure and systems and doctrine that underpinned CFA right up to the, to the modern times. And, and for me personally, when I first joined, my first chief officer in Country Fire Authority was a guy by the name of Brian Potter. 
Uh, Brian passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately. But I describe Brian as a as a, a real statesman. He had a real an aura about him, but at the same time, really personable. He took a yeah. personal interest in in everyone, and he was a visionary. He had a view about what CFA was today, but where he he wanted to take it. And so, to work under someone like that is a real privilege. It is a real privilege, and there's so many of them out there. Mm. The the notion of learning you've alluded to you know, the learning or understanding there's a lovely little quote which is a john john f kennedy quote which talks about leadership and learning being indispensable to each other mm. what's your philosophy yeah. on that? Uh, look I, absolutely uh, i'd agree with that and uh, i think the challenge we have in the emergency services is that the leadership and management style that we need on a daily basis in running the organisation is quite different to what we need when we go go to battle. And so we flip between this very command and control, do what I say approach, which is often Which has got a place. Which, which has got, got a place, place yes, at the right that's time. That's right. Yeah. But for so long in the history of our organisations, that was how we ran all elements of the business, you know, very rank-based, hierarchical-based structure. But that's not necessarily how you get the best out of people when you're not in a you know, uh, an emergency type situation. And so that ability to flip between what works to run the business and get the best out of people doesn't necessarily work in an emergency space. And and that takes a while to, to get that balance right about which style do you need based on what the challenge is that you're dealing with today. I'd say it's one of the, it remains one of the biggest challenges for us mm. right now as yeah. a sector. Mm. And it does require people to be able to operate in a two-mode or two-pace uh, world, mm. uh, but it can it can be done. Mm. Uh, and I'm a, I'm an avid. I mean, indeed, the, the title of this podcast is influence me. Mm. With with the point being that uh, you know the the big gains to be made in terms of leadership and effectiveness and and organisational effectiveness is about influence, mm. not not command control. Yeah. As as a single entity, but they both live. They both are required to live in the organisation. Mm. So I'd like to explore a little bit your, your time in ambulance and what that was like for you having your history mm. as a, a fire officer, then moving into that sector. What, what, what are the memories for you? Mm. Uh, so for me, I'd been a member of the career staff of CFA for just over 20 years. And for me, the decision to leave CFA was a really difficult decision because I, I sort of had a view that that was my job for life, you know, completely. As many of us do. Many, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And But I got to a point where I thought, I'll actually want to test myself, you know. I want to put myself out into the marketplace and, yeah. and see whether I can make a contribution somewhere else. And Did so, you have any moments of self-doubt when uh, you were going through uh, that period? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, or leading up the decision. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the doubts, well, not so much doubts, the, the issue came after I'd actually left because I went through a process over many months getting myself into a frame of mind saying, yep, I'm going to go and do something else. I'm going to leave CFA. I'm going to go and do something else. And I picked up the job with Rural Ambulance Victoria and I moved on. But but I probably didn't expect the, the personal impact on leaving behind my, my friends and colleagues uh, from CFA. It was almost like a mourning yeah, period yeah, I, I uh, to, to have left the culture and yeah. the uh, comradeship yeah. and all that sort of thing in the organisation. So that was interesting, just uh, that journey in itself. But I went and joined Rural Ambulance Victoria and and what what attracted me to that role is that Rural Ambulance had been through a, a really difficult period. Uh, they'd had a state services authority review into systemic bullying and harassment within the service. That final report 
when it was handed to government resulted in the board, the CEO, most of the senior executive and a number of senior on-road staff leaving the organisation. And so I went in as part of a whole new executive team under a, a new chief executive officer and a new board. And it was a fresh, fresh beginning. But it was a fresh beginning for us, but not for the people still in ambulance. They'd lived through this very difficult time. Uh, and just because we came in refreshed and, and invigorated didn't necessarily mean they were on the same page. And so there were some really difficult times in the first few months. We, we did lots of travelling around the state. The new, the new CEO, a guy by the name of John Holloway, a terrific operator and very much a people, a people person. And his view was we actually need to be out and about. We need to have our feet under the table in an ambulance branch talking to people about what's important to them and who we are. And so it was about getting out there, doing uh, town hall meetings and just spending time with people because that's what we are. Ex and accepting all the energy, good and bad, good that, and goes, bad. Yeah. that goes with that. Uh, and so there was a certain amount of just letting people talk and yeah. talk through the trauma that they'd experienced you know, yeah. themselves and, and the trauma they felt at their organisation being trashed yep. publicly, you know, because there was some pretty bad press about rural ambulance at the time, and they're saying that's not who we are. You know, <clears throat> our job is here. We're we're here to help people, and that's what we do on a daily basis. And yet, you know, we're, we're being demonised in the media. So there was a lot of venting, a lot of reinforcement about the good things of the culture of the organisation, and a lot about setting the vision. Well, here's where we are today, and here's where we come from. But here's here's where we want to be as a, as an organisation. So, for me, um, I saw. Uh, a huge change in that organisation in a 12-month period. It was a, a really exciting time to be a part of that organisation. During that period, and I was going to jump in earlier, but trust would have been low. So there must have been a, a regathering of trust mm. or people who were saying, I've heard all before, prove it, show your faith in us. Yeah. What things happened that trust was able to be mm. built? Yeah, look, it's, it's, um, it was interesting in, in that uh, trust and morale was at an all-time low, but fundamentally, the vast majority of people want to come to work to do a good job, uh, and they want to be recognised for the job that they do. And so we did have to get some runs on the board, so a lot of listening to people about what they saw wrong with the organisation, and they wanted to quickly see our bona fides you know, yeah, are you yeah. going to do what you say you're going to do? Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was about setting the environment and just getting out of the way and let, letting people do what they needed to do on a daily basis because the clinical practices of, of, of rural ambulance Victoria were, were fine. It was around how that how everyone from from the shop floor to senior management had actually been treating each other. It, it was interesting that that for such a caring organisation that went out and provided such a high level of care to the community, they weren't providing a high level of care amongst themselves. And so we turned that around. And it took a while because, as I said, people were sitting back. Some, some people got on board quickly, others were a bit more reserved. And in fairness to them, they'd seen people come and go with yeah. promises of yeah. change and, yeah, yeah. and the yeah. change hadn't emerged. And so why is this going to be any different? But you know, eventually it was around people buying into the new vision. And we spent a lot of time traveling the state, running workshops. What do we want this organization to look like? And we spent a lot of time developing the new values of R Rural Ambulance Victoria. And it was the, the identification of those common values that were acceptable to everyone that underpinned the new RAV, uh, who we were and what we were going to be. 
you mentioned values. Over time, your own values would have evolved, mm. changed. Indeed, I would imagine that part of your attraction of coming here to us would have been some sort of a judgment or fit between your own values and the organisation's mm. values. Can you talk mm. about that a bit? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So one of the first things I did when I started doing some research about QFIS was looking at the values of the organisation and, and were they something that I could buy into? And largely they could because the values of an emergency service organisation fundamentally don't shift too, too much. much. Yeah, I agree and, and the real the real value of these organisations is their community links. So what really motivates me to get out of bed every day is that we are embedded in communities, our people are part of their local communities, and m many of our people out there I have a direct link with because I can see myself in them as a 16-year-old kid growing up growing up in rural Victoria. Yeah, great point. So it's, it's people doing the same things that, that motivated me. And it's great that you've actually identified that because I'm sure that there are people who do things or act in a certain way, good or bad, and they're doing it for that reason that some experience they had when they were very young. Thank you. Uh, excellent uh, perspective on, on that history for you. Given time, I now need to move into the final section where I ask five questions of each guest, and certainly uh, there's no right or wrong. It's, it's just a case of your perspective on things. Uh, I find that sometimes when I go through these questions, we could spend a whole podcast on you know, some of the perspective on it. So the first question is, what do you wish you really understood? <laughs> My simple one word answer to that is people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we're complex beasts, you know, and, uh, and we have, you know, nearly 5,000 staff and 40,000 volunteers in our organisation. And every one of them is an individual with their own motivators and, and everything else. And yeah. so in, in trying to take an organisation forward, understanding each individual, but the all of those people as a collective, collective. And, and who they are and what their expectations are. And, and the culture that's, which comes Exactly, well, that's that. right, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. Question two, what do you wish that other people understood about you? Uh, look, there's, there's probably a lot of people in for sort of saying, who, who is this new bloke who's come <laughs> in to, to lead us? Probably for me, I'm naturally an introvert, and so I'm not the I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the bloke that'll be you know yeah. is naturally out the front, and so uh, often I, when I put myself out there, it's it's uh, it's not the real me. It actually takes a lot of energy for me to to do the the public facing stuff. Having said that, I feel reasonably comfortable in that space. It's just not not my natural uh, way of operating. Look, history is is full of people with an introvert nature who are very good leaders mm. or went on to become very good leaders. And uh, in the earlier podcast I recorded uh, earlier today, uh, I touched on Harry Truman, who was a, you know, the US president. Now, as an example of someone who was not the, the life of the party mm. and would uh, not necessarily use a lot of words, but certainly a person who was very clear about their uh, mission and objective. Of course, he was the president that wasn't aware of the nuclear uh, the development of the nuclear bomb and got briefed within the first hour that we've got this thing, we want to try it. You can only imagine what went through his mind and in, uh, mm. in that, that period, which was traumatic for so many people. Uh, the next question is question three, what type of leader do you prefer? Mm. People-centred leaders, because it, you know you can have the, the best vision, the best business plans, but unless you can lead through people, you're really not going to achieve anything. And so people-centred leaders, if you take if you take care of your people to a large degree, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. The recently approved QFES leadership philosophy or ethos, whatever words you want to use, first few words in that statement says, QFES leaders are leaders of people 
first. Mm, mm. And I think that encapsulates exactly what you just mm. said. Thank you. Four, and this is a bit of a reflection question, in respect to leadership development and all the options that we can take in, in developing our own leadership capability, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? Mm. <laughs> Probably enjoy the journey a bit more. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in my earlier days, I was, I was pretty driven, not so much driven to progress through the organisation, but I was driven to be the best firefighter that I could be through study, through qualifications, through experience. I'd probably be described as a bit intense. And and I was doing that because I wanted to be the best I could be. Other people probably saw that in me as being ambitious, uh, ambitious yeah. which wasn't necessarily the case. But, but with that qualifications and experience came promotion. Um, and I sometimes think uh, it, it would have been nicer to have spent a bit more time at different ranks and enjoyed the experience a bit more. So I guess I guess it's about enjoy the journey. You know, take the time out to smell the roses as you work. As you enjoy the journey and understand that uh, sometimes development takes time. Mm. And I've seen this in younger leaders where mm-hmm. you know they've they've read the book, they've done the course, and they think, well, I should be that person, that leader now. Mm. Whereas sometimes it's like you know, the cake analogy, you've got to let it yeah. bake for a period for it to become what you want to be. And um, I think that's right. And, yeah. and if I think back, uh, you know, in the mid-1990s, um, CFA went through a significant change program and that resulted in a significant <clears throat> number of people leaving the organisation and a lot of movement and I, and a new organisational structure and I picked up a, a particular role. In hindsight, I think I probably got promoted into that role a bit early. I don't think I was quite ready for it. I think I did okay, but gee, I had to learn a lot very quickly. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's about just being ready in your own mind for what your journey looks like. Yeah, and uh, such an important point to make. The fifth and final question, and this question speaks to the responsibility leaders have to engage with people. And many times it's in a difficult moment. So the question is, um, how do you prefer to, to deliver bad news? in person, by text message, by Snapchat, by TikTok. These are new things. I don't have these accounts for the record here, but I'm aware of them. Uh, Or by carrier pigeon. So what's your view on that? (laughs) Uh, Undoubtedly, the only way to deliver bad news is in person. You've got to sit down and have a conversation and you've got to make a connection with people um, at the same time. And I also have a bit of a personal philosophy that bad news doesn't get better with age. So if you've got something to say, uh, you yeah, need to I have love the that conversation. Yeah. It is so valid, mm. um, and, and and I'll say it. Having been a person who's you know put something off, and you rationalise in your own mind, you say, oh, "I'll be able to do that Monday. Mm. I'll be able to mm. do, that, do that Friday. I need more time to prepare." Uh, sorry, that's just uh, nonsense. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it's your, it's yourself avoiding what you need to do. Yep, that's and right. uh, and my advice to people is, you know, don't make the same mistake I made, and mm. that is learn quickly, learn early that you need to jump on these things. Uh, pretty quick. Mm. It doesn't make it necessary any easier, but it gets it done. And maybe it stops something from becoming a bigger, badder situation. Mm, that's true. That's the five questions. I'd like now, I was just sitting here listening to you before about the, the, the notion of development. And I've got a, I've got a quote here in front of me. Uh, Chuck Yeager, who was a famous fighter pilot, mm-hmm. or, or he, was, he, he flew, tested new aircraft uh, in, a, in a period where you know, we were going into space travel and everything. And and the quote talks to the notion of you know, are, are natural are there natural leaders 
you know, leaders bond or the development. And I'm, I, I probably think that's probably a bit of both, but his quote is interesting because he says there's no such thing as a natural born pilot. And he, what he means by that is that you need to substitute the word leader for pilot. Any final uh, perspectives? What's your, what's your message to the, the QFES team? Mm. What do you want to say to the QFES team about <clears throat> what you're looking for from them in terms mm. of leadership? I guess I'd summarise how I see my role here. So I see my role as stewardship. So as the commissioner, my job is to steward the organisation into the future. Um, so for me, it's important to set the vision of where we go as an organisation and then largely get out of the way and let, let people get on with it because yeah. We're, yeah. we've got some very good people at all levels of the organisation. And so for me, it's about being the enabler, putting in place the building blocks to help people develop and be the best that they can be in the organisation. That's um, that's probably as a, how I see my role here. And very important. Mm. Um, thank you, Commissioner. Mm. It's been an absolute pleasure to have this chat. I hope people who listen to this know you a little bit better now. Mm. And, Thanks, Andrew. Thanks uh, for the opportunity. And, and so that, that can help you in your mission to lead this organisation where we need to go. Mm. Thank, thank you, you sir.